0: Sixty degrees, ha ha, three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha, three hundred and six, three hundred and six, three hundred and sixty degrees, ha ha.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. This show is written, produced, and is broadcasting from Wichin, occupy Ohlone territory, known to most settlers as the Bay Area. Tonight, we will have a conversation about the part of the human experience known as gender. On tonight's show, we
2: welcome Rick Oculto and Nadi Suhaimi from Our Family Coalition. Together, we'll discuss how an expansive understanding of gender has been colonized out of us and how to begin reintegrating these concepts to build stronger communities. All that tonight on Full Circle. We are your hosts. I'm Kat Petru. And I'm Laura Chagaray. Stay with us. Good evening everyone and welcome again to Full Circle. Tonight Laura and I welcome Rick Oculto and Nadi Suhaimi from Our Family Coalition to talk about gender. Our Family Coalition was established in 2002 in San Francisco and the East Bay Area to advance equity for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or LGBTQ families with children through support, education, and advocacy. They seek to create an inclusive and just world where all LGBTQ families with children have visibility and opportunities to thrive as valued participants in our schools, institutions, and communities. So in the spirit of self-determination, Rick and Nadi, will you please introduce yourselves to our listeners?
3: Sure. Thanks a lot, Kat. Um, First, thanks for having us on here. My name is Rick Oculto. And I am the education manager over at Our Family Coalition. I'm a gay, cisgender, Filipino, Bay Area native from San Jose that has had the privilege of being able to listen and synthesize people's gender experiences from all walks of life. And um, I got to say, as a gay gamer and an uncle, hi, Zelda. Hi, Icarus. uh, (laughs) I've personally been witness to and subjected to a lot of gender disparity and I hope that uh, by talking about these issues that we can create a better understanding and acceptance of difference. Uh, also, in, in the spirit of tonight's conversation, uh, I use the, the pronouns he, him, and his.
2: Thank you so much. And maybe we can, well, we'll just, I I can say I use she, her, and hers. Laura, do you want to share your pronouns too? She? She? Okay. And then Nadi, please go ahead and introduce
4: yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Nadi. I'm the East Bay Family Programs Coordinator at Our Family Coalition. Um, I actually was born and grew up in Singapore. So I was living there for like the last 32 years of my life. I only moved to the Bay like less than a year ago with my wonderful partner, Hillary. Hi, Hillary. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so... um, Yeah, I've lived most of my life in Singapore and when it comes to gender and sexuality and queerness, to be honest, even though I identify as a trans masculine person of color, I still have a lot to learn myself moving from, I guess we'll talk a lot more about this later, but moving from like Singapore and moving to the Bay uh, is just so different, like culturally and how we approach uh, the issue of gender and queerness. Yeah, we will definitely get into
2: place and how it affects our sense of self and and gender
1: identity. Oh, yeah, and uh, he, him, his is my pronouns. Thank you. Thank you, Nadi. Um, You know, when my son entered high school, many of his classmates were openly gay or lesbian. And my son will come home talking about how he wanted to support them. And although I never attended any of the educational presentations he received at school... I was very on board with it, but in my female, male, blue, pink, gay, straight world, I naively thought being open and friendly was all that was needed. And um, I want to salute to my nephew, Jorge Andres, you're listening to me. This one is for you. But then one day I went to the school to volunteer, and they asked me, like they're asking, he was your professor during their pronoun and I got, what? I got totally stumped. So I realized I needed to learn so much more. You know, it's not just enough that you are okay or whatever you think in my head that I was thinking. So that's why I wanted to invite you people. When I saw your presentation, I had this profound aha moment and I thought, know we need to put this on the radio so that most people possible can listen to it so thank you for being here
3: yeah of course and you know we're, we're just really grateful uh for this opportunity one of the things that we find happens a lot of the times is when we talk about difference when we talk about gender or race or sexuality or any of these things we have this immediate reaction that oh, we have to use special language. We always have to get it right, and we can't be wrong. And really, it's this this thought that we need artisanal language. Mm. (laughs) Um, Like this stuff that nobody can really understand or access. And really, what we're talking about is just our daily experiences, just how we live our lives, and things that all of us as human beings on this planet experience, right? And so I I really want to also acknowledge that because we have this... um, frame around it being this artisanal kind of conversation that it's not easy and so all of those emotions of difficulty all of those emotions of guilt or or misunderstanding it's okay right we're we're going to make mistakes about this stuff and i think that's one of the most important messages to go out there right now because right now we we're not in a society that forgives Uh, when people make mistakes. And the the, the reality is we're human, so we're gonna make mistakes. So thank you for opening up that conversation.
2: Absolutely, so I would love to jump in here. One of the theoretical starting points in the workshops that our family network, or excuse me, our family coalition does, um, is naming the indoctrination and investment in the gender binary, so already, right? Like, there's a ton of, of like jargon in that. Right. So, for folks totally new to this conversation, what do you mean by that?
3: Well, to to go into it, first, we we have to really define what the the gender binary is. And again, we have this artisanal language around it, but really, it simply means that if you believe in a gender binary and you operate off of a gender binary, you believe that there are two genders. One is man, one is woman, boy or girl, male or female, right? This, this binary concept, and that these are two opposing ways of life, that you can be one or the other and nowhere in between, right? And so with this concept of gender binary, it really, really um, puts out the actual experience of how we live life, that there are a, a slew of different experiences that are not defined by gender, that we put into those categories. Anything from who we fall in love with, to what colors we like, to what kinds of activities are okay for us. And so if you are somebody who believes in gender equity, if you you say that you think that women should have the right to vote, should have the right to equal pay, that men should be able to express emotions, right? Then already you're challenging this idea that there is a gender binary, that there are only two ways of being. And so that's the first thing that you have to understand. And again, I used a lot of words to describe it, but really the concept is pretty simple. You, If you believe in gender binary, you believe there's only man and woman and nothing else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that we start with this concept of as you said in the intro, right, the colonization of our ideas about gender. And so one of the things that I really like to put out there, especially as as a person of color who's grown up in the Bay Area, um, is that when we talk about gender, our ideas about what men and what women are are really focused on one type of culture that has decided that this is what is acceptable for these types of people, right?
2: Right, right.
3: And so... The other, the other part of that is with that type of understanding, it erases an entire history of hundreds and hundreds of cultures who've had not just spaces and places for people who did not fit in the gender binary, but also um, names for them, right? We have in the Philippines, which is, was the culture of, of my family, um, we have the Baibailan um, in uh, the Yucatan from Mexico, we, we have the mushe, right? We have the kutay. We have the ayolanit. We have the waria. We have all of these different words from all of these different cultures, from all different, um, different times uh, throughout history. And so why is it that now, in this particular moment in time, our gender is being defined in a binary and, set and, and being um, propagated that this is the only way to be? Um And so one of the things that people don't recognize uh, and give as an argument is, well, you know, when you're born, you've got certain body parts,, yeah, and yeah. those body parts, right. right determine for you what your gender is. If you were born with a penis, you're going to be a man. If you're born with a vagina, you're going to be a woman, right?
2: right. And for if people for people who do like to have sort of conceptual frameworks, that's called biological determinism.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And which is an interesting thing, right? Because especially in the feminist movement, we've got this idea that biology is not destiny, right? Yeah. We know that there are all of these different factors that play into who we are, what we can be. And so when we talk about that, um, we only see the phenotypical or the phenotype of, of gene expression, right? The, the body parts that are out there, the anatomy that's out there, completely ignoring that we are used to XX and XY being the genes for chromosomes, and that there are more than 65 different varieties of combinations of these genes. If in the biology itself, if in the chromosomal pairings themselves, there are more than just two, why is it that we limit the gender, right, the interpretation, the expression of how those play out in the world in only two ways? It doesn't make any sense.
2: So it's actually not even accurate if we if we were trying to be strictly biological about it or science with a capital S kind of thing. It's like actually not even an accurate expression of gender to have two categories. Right. That's so important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So important. So we are um, about to come up to a music break. Um, when we come back, I want to circle back a little bit because you spoke to it a bit about how we were talking about how gender is not only um, – Play space, but also we can look at different points of time mm-hmm. and how folks understood gender. But so when we come back, we I'd love to hear a bit more about how gender is a local concept. Sure. But for the moment, let's go ahead and take a quick music break.
0: Great. Um
5: me I'm me and that's all I can be. am me am me. that's all i can be days pass i'm trying to find who i really am i've been looking people don't like the way i dress so wherever i'm at i've been looking i dye my hair and it's not just vanity i've been looking your validation is just not that Stop me I'm free I'm me And that's all I can be
3: Night falls
5: And I find it here I am In peace I've been looking Making friends with spirits lost And it sets me free I've been looking Express myself Cause it's my liberty I can be I am me. I am me. I am me. I'm free. I am free. I am free. I am me up high, everything's gonna be alright, you're you, I'm me, let's live in harmony, coexist with each other, love each other, be yourself, you have to be yourself, be real, be honest, cause ain't nobody got time for that they really don't. So listen to me, listen to this song, because this is real facts (laughs) that will help you move along. Yeah, (laughs) that's all I wanted to say. So I love you guys so much. Hope you like the song and, you know, YOLO.
1: You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. We are your hosts, Laura Chegaray and Kat Petru. And that song was I Am Me by Willow Smith. And we are joined live in studio
2: here with Rick Okolto and Nadi Suhaimi from Our Family Coalition talking about gender. Before the break, Rick was breaking down this construct of the gender binary and we started to speak a bit to gender as being place based or local. So
4: Nadi or Rick, um, could one or both of you elaborate a bit more on gender as local? Well, I can speak from my um, personal experience. Having having grown up in Singapore, being there for the longest time, um, my own idea about gender has been based on the binary. Like, it's just male and female, even within the queer community. In other um, Asian uh, societies as well, like in Taiwan, in Japan, in Korea, from what I've observed, um, it's very binary. People within the queer community, we just know either uh butch and masculine or femme and feminine and um that becomes very problematic in the sense that um there are a lot of people being left out who Mm -hmm. don't feel like they belong um I can speak to it myself because I'm very masculine but my concept of being masculine would mean that I would need to be physically like what Rick mentioned like you know biologically I need to be male for me to identify as that But biologically, whatever that means, uh, I'm not. And because of that, but I don't identify as a lesbian as well. I don't identify as a girl who likes girls. So that created a huge dilemma for me. And um, it was only until I met my partner, who, you know, she's, she's lived in the Bay for six years. We met in Singapore. It was only then that I was introduced to a more expansive uh, notion and concept of gender. And when I came here, I saw it for myself. When I went to the Trans March for the first time in my life, like three years ago, I was blown away. I saw so many people who are like myself, who are not like myself. And it made me realize that the idea of gender is so socially constructed. And like it really depends on where you're at and how society has decided what it should look like. And it's great that in the Bay that the queer community gets to decide how it looks like. And because of that, I feel so much more comfortable in being in my body and um, I no longer feel the need to pass as a trans mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, yeah, I guess that's, that's actually a personal, um, that's my personal sharing about how gender, is very much um dependent on the society that you come from with a different country different communities yeah yeah absolutely did you want to add something
3: yeah, and you know that you know, like you said, Nadi, it was informed a lot by what you grew up with, what you saw, what mm-hmm. you heard. And it affects things that you really don't think about, right? So when we think about gender in the binary sense, we 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 have a lot of aggressive things that are associated with masculine traits, et cetera. and we have um the opposite for feminine traits. And one of the things that is really interesting about that is when you really break it down, um, each of those things that we either define as, um, well, masculine, feminine, or neutral uh, are really defined by the society as far as what is acceptable for somebody who holds an identity of man, woman, or otherwise, right? And an example of that is hand-holding, mm. right? right? In many, mm-hmm. man, many countries, two boys holding hands. Um, no. <laughs> it's, not, well, it's, it's not a big deal in a lot of different countries, right? In the Philippines, that would be nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Here in the United States, Mm -hmm. it's it's almost a death sentence for somebody in a community where it's not accepted. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so culturally, locationally bound means that the community that is talking about what it means to be man, woman, non-binary, etc. Right. Make the rules about what is acceptable for each of those different roles. And so for Nadi. Right. The what your con- concept was, and please correct me if I'm, <laughs> I'm putting words in your mouth, but what your concept of, of masculine is is very much a um, a societally-bound idea mm-hmm. of strength, of of power, et cetera, and so on, which is reflected and echoed in other cultures, but not in the same way, right?
2: Yeah, and exactly. even hearing about the hand-holding, it's like not only in some places may, maybe it's more acceptable or just not even a thing versus here... It's definitely thing. I think also folks would assume like, oh, those are two queer dudes. Right. And so there's that presumption. Then also like it makes me think of, um, if it is say uh, people who identify it within a f- like a female and a male gender binary, like who gets to initiate the handholding? Like mm-hmm. where I grew up, which is the Bay Area, even with like it's like radical queer community, like I still learned like the boy initiates the handholding, you know? <laughs> <Right>. mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a good example. Um, So, before our interview, uh, I asked permission to open up what I called the alphabet soup question, which is partially speaking to like LGBTQ, and then there, like, there's two spirit, and there's other Mm -hmm. um, like names and acronyms. And what I've noticed is that many people are uncomfortable at best, or or at worst, like flat out reject and criticize evolving gender identities. And language used, so I would love to know what you make of this resistance and how you approach it in your education work
3: well it's it's really tough, and what i what I mean by that is i I, I really believe in my heart of hearts that the resistance that we that we hear about not wanting to add more letters to LGbtq right right is is really from trauma. And if you are aware of of history of LGBTQ folks within the United States, it has not been a pretty one as far as how we've been treated in the past, right? Anywhere from having our safe havens raided to being policed around our bodies and our clothing, et cetera, and so on. And so in the past, right, and even today, the folks that perpetrate violence against our communities have really just defined us as one thing, other. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there have been a number of names that other has taken anywhere from queer to any of the slurs that you've heard of, et cetera. And so as a community, we've banded together um, women who loved women, men who loved men, um, men who grew up um, being socialized as a girl, et cetera, and so on. All of these communities were just other. And so we had this strength in saying, no, no. We're not going to take it because we, we have power in this group together. I think that fear of splintering and, and having, adding more names to the LGBTQ, um, uh, I guess, vocabulary is, is not recognizing that we're not trying to splinter. What we're doing is we're evolving with our language. We're saying we are now more aware, we have more opportunity to talk about our experiences, and we can be more precise about who we are. But in no way does that divide us. And that's something that has been a wedge issue for a lot of us, right? That because we have made all of these distinctions on the the nuances of our differences that people have put in, well, lesbians and gay men don't get along. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that's just a falsehood, right? Um, that's been perpetuated by the gender binary that we've invested in already. And so when we talk about that, we really need to recognize, one, um, that us as other will always be one. And two, it does not take away from any of us to be more precise about who we are. Absolutely.
2: Perfect. Do, did you, Laura or Nadi, did you want to speak to that at all? Okay. Um well then before we have just about 2 minutes left, so before we get to hear another music break, can either of you speak to gender representation in the media? So as cultural producers, Laura and I know how critical representation is, so even these music breaks right are like super specifically chosen. So how does the media you consume affect your sense of well-being and
4: what would you like to see done differently? Well, for me, I feel—I mean, especially being in the Bay Area now, looking at all uh, social media and videos on YouTube and everything, there's a lot of there's a lot more representation now uh, from the queer community. You see more trans people on TV. You see uh, more queer shows on TV as well, um, which is great. But I think there's still a lot of emphasis on tropes, certain tropes um, of uh, stereotypical representation, what you means to be a trans man or a trans woman. And this kind of like inculcates these ideas of that's what it is and that's what it should be in those who are watching. Like for me, if I didn't know any be- better, I'd be, oh yeah, to be a trans guy, you need to, you know, you need to pass. You need to have a mustache, you need to have a beard. Um, you need to act a certain way which is which is not true it's not real and um it also encourages misogyny within our community um and there's also a lot of uh uh, a lot of the narrative and a lot of uh shows that we watch um it seems like what we in the queer community want is acceptance that we want people to accept us just because we're just like everybody else But that's not true as well. Not all of us want to assimilate. Um, We are different and we want to embrace that difference.
2: Absolutely. And I'm so sorry to cut you off, but we're going to go ahead and jump to this music break. But when we come back, if you want to elaborate on any of that, you absolutely can. So stay tuned. We will be right back with Rick and Nadi with our Family Coalition.
0: Little boys don't cry, little boys aren't shy, little boys are tough, they do stuff The little girls don't try, little boys don't dance, little boys wear pants, little boys are bold, you've been told you don't hold little boys' hands, that's it, I don't believe in magic, but I do. Son, if you believe in daddy, take a look at this book and believe it's true, there's somewhere Somewhere over the rainbow, there's a man who's powerful, and he wants you to know when the rain goes. After the pain goes, they'll be dancing with hate. little boys they stink they're not weak they don't like pink at all little boys don't sing little boys are kings little boys fly kites they ride bikes they don't like little girl things And dad said i know my baby's special strong you'll we'll be flown to this holy land there's some I'll be dancing with pain
2: You are listening to Full Circle on ninety four point one FM KPFA. We are your hosts. I'm Kat Petru, and I'm co-hosting with Laura Chegarai And that was "Over the Rainbow" by Tadric Hall. And tonight we're joined by Rick Oculto and Nadi Suhaimi of Our Family Coalition, which is a Bay Area-based organization dedicated to supporting LGBTQ families through education and equity work.
1: And we were talking about the media, but I want to talk about my um, aha moment oh, during the one of three presentations. I'm sorry if I miss the word, but Please. I call it the red-headed example. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because for me, it was very, very important, and I see that it relates to the next theme that we're going to talk about, gender expansiveness,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Or doesn't it? Oh, it absolutely does. And so, Please, you know... go ahead. Sure. Yeah. You know... <laughs> Earlier, I was talking about how there's all this genetic variation between the chromosomes and how many variations there are and the phenotypes that result from that. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the things that can happen is that is, um, one of the phenotypes is uh, somebody who's intersex. And if you are listening right now and you don't know what intersex means, it means somebody who was born with ambiguous genitalia. Um, and so it, traditionally what has happened with people who were born with ambiguous genitalia is that doctors would make a decision about whether it looked close enough to one body part or another and then determine um, whether it, they would make a penis out of that genitalia or, or a vagina out of it. Um, that was usually determined by length, uh, if not other factors.
2: This is when human, human animals are little babies, Yes. They would do this? Wow.
3: Yeah, yeah. Before, you know, before anybody had to say about anything, we and ourselves have such a, our society has such an investment in making sure that the gender binary is there that a child, a baby, a newborn um, whose body is functioning and fine and healthy, if it did not fit the category of having a penis or having a vagina, therefore man or woman, we were so uncomfortable that we operated on it.
4: I mean, I've heard of stories of it being done when they're older too, but still without consent.
3: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so the question often that I get after I give this this particular factoid is well, how how often does it occur? How many intersex people could there possibly be? Are we talking about a minority of the population? And that really depends on how you def, depe, how you define minority, but as as Laura pointed out, this is our red-headed example. And so I usually ask people then how many how many people here in in the workshops that I do know somebody who's redheaded Mm -hmm. and inevitably everybody in the room raises their hand. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. Redheads consist of 1.8% of the population of of the United States. And then I say, well, how many people here know somebody who's intersex? And then maybe (laughs) two or three out of a room of 30 to 50 will raise their hands. The thing is, intersex people are 1.8% of the population. The same exact number as redheads.
2: What? What? Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. so deeply silenced to yes, abide yes, by this yes, gender yes. binary. That is so violent. Wow. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's it's this really interesting question of, well, if you have seen somebody who's redheaded by far, you have definitely met somebody who is intersex. You just didn't know because we there are no outward signs, usually, that somebody has a different configuration to their body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what that was. And it really lends to that idea of when we think that there are these set rules about what it means to be, either through our biology and our anatomy or through how we feel about or know about our identity inside, there's so much more fluidity that we do not account for. Mm-hmm. Right. And our uncomfortability of being on un, being unable to categorize that forces us to enact this type of violence where we cut open babies. Jesus. Oh my God.
2: Well, and you know, mm-hmm. that really to me speaks to what we named up at the top of the show, which is the, the way that uh, our sense of gender has been like colonized. Um, mm-hmm. It, as i've learned from a lot of study and observation and experience um, this this impulse to categorize and to um especially like to have like black white uh, these these binaryistic categories is really western um is really colonial mm-hmm. so it makes sense that that and then uh, and then it's not just theoretical it translates into the sur- this surgery that is affects people's bodies and livelihoods. Right. Um, so that's um That's terrible. <laughs> I it's mean. just terrible. And it's why the work you know that you're all doing this, is so exactly. vital. That's
1: what we need to yeah. talk about this more.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I'm so happy that Laura, you know, it was it was her idea to bring you all here. So this is awesome. Awesome. There's an A word for you. So <laughs> um All right. Well so I don't know that folks listening know, but the title of the show is a gender expansive conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's a term that was new to both Laura and I, mm-hmm. gender expansiveness. So how is that different from gender non-conforming?
3: Well, I mean, the question has to come from the, the words themselves, gender non-conforming. What would we be conforming to or not conforming to, mm-hmm. right? And so we think about how we even as a society think about gender and it fights against the paradigms that we've accepted. For example, in the most crucial unit in in, in any society, it's the family unit, mm-hmm. right? And there are parents that are involved or guardians, and then there are children sometimes, et cetera, and so on. And what we think about when we think about either a mother or a father within those within those units are particular traits. And when we think about our parents, we are hoping that those traits include things like generosity, Compassion, right any of these things that are are traits that generally by our society would be defined as feminine mm. and so what messages are we saying about what we want our men to be, what we want our women to be, and what we want our caretakers, guardians, parents to be? It mm. already fights that um, it already fights that idea of Men have to be one way. Women have to be another way because we know we want our mothers to be strong. We want them to be able to, to provide for the family just as much as, as anybody Men. else, mm-hmm. right? And vice versa. We want our fathers to be caring and compassionate, right? And so when we talk about gender expansiveness versus gender nonconforming, we're asking people to open up their ideas about what they already know as gender as we live it, mm. right? Because we're not saying you're not conforming, that's a lie, mm-hmm. right? We're already asking you to embrace positive traits that we know we want in our society.
2: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nadia, did you want to speak more to that? Otherwise, I have
4: another question. We'll go over your next question. Okay, cool. <laughs>
2: so actually, before we um, before we started the show, in a conversation, Nadie named that com- named that coming out is a Western concept. So, could you break this down for listeners and maybe talk about alternative ways of relating
4: to this idea of coming out? Well, when I mentioned that, it was more of a critique of coming out as a Western concept. Um... I can't speak for the rest of Asia, but, you know. (laughs) No? No, unfortunately. Mm, Um, Too many people over there, right? (laughs) um, But, you know, at least in Singapore where I grew up, um, there's always this uh, Asian value and Western values uh, dichotomy. And they're always like pitted against each other. And anything that you do or say that isn't... Direct opposition to your family's values or beliefs are seen as, you know, evil Western influences. You know, right. you bad Americans with your TV shows. Um, <laughs> like, you know, leaving, living on your own before you're married or and, and not living with your parents or sex outside of marriage. Queerness, coming out. Uh, these are all seen as bad and selfish Western values mm. where you prioritize self and not your family and community. Got it. You know, to live your own life. Um, which, of course, to me is not real. I, I don't think that there's such a thing as Western versus Asian values. Values are just values. and But this dichotomy is being utilized and successfully being utilized to get people to conform to heteronormative standards in our society. Um, when I was planning and thinking about my coming out about two to three years ago, I was actually accused of conforming to colonial values of coming out. And was told that Asians don't come out because our values and culture, they're just different. And it's like saying you can be queer, but you need to think about your family and you don't have to come out. In other words, you know, living separate lives. And um, yeah, so that's that's the relationship that some people have about coming out and it being a Western value. But, But what many people fail to realize is that Queerness has been in Asian culture for hundreds of years and like what Rick was talking about, you know, all the different names to identify the different gender gender identities that's already in, in the world. Um, what's closer to me is uh, the Bugis people in Asia. They have five different genders and, you know, in India, there are Hijras and so on. Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, it's colonialism that has imposed these gender binaries and made coming out harder so in a way it's like uh it's been internalized the gender Mm -hmm. binary and then it's somehow like transposes
2: back on on saying oh this is this is not part of us yeah so thank you so much for that explanation we are going to take one final music break and when we come back we'll have more from rick and nadi from our family coalition stay with us
1: You're listening to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and that was Stand Up For You by the Alphabet Rockers. These people are Grammy-nominated and in intergenerational hip-hop group. Hip-hop group? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hip-hop. Yeah. Hey, you were going to say something?
3: Oh, it, and part of the reason we wanted Alphabet Rockers music on here is because uh, they... Our Family Coalition is actually collaborating with them to help create gender and LGBTQ-inclusive music.
2: So awesome. And also for listeners just joining us, maybe after this music break, the voices you're hearing are Laura Chegarai, my co-host. I'm Kat Petru. And then we have Rick Okoto and Nadi Suhaimi from Our Family Coalition. And this show is about gender, gender, our understanding of gender, and how we can better support one another in in building stronger communities. So were you going to add anything else about Alphabet Rockers?
3: They're awesome. They rock as (laughs) advertised.
2: We will definitely have links to um, all the work that Our Family Coalition does on our website, which is kpfaapprentice.org. We'll remind listeners again at the end of the show where they can find all that information. So um, Our Family Coalition does a lot of educational work. And one of the key things you teach that, that you've spoken about before is empathy. Can you talk about what that means? And how do you teach empathy?
3: Right. Well, so it's interesting because when it comes to this topic, um, yes, it's absolutely good to talk about empathy and how we can understand each other through our differences and how we can live with each other, um, celebrating the fact that we do not have to be the same, et cetera, and so on. And that is a wonderful thing. And I hope that that happens everywhere. And when it comes to gender and LGBT stuff, that's only part of the equation right? Because empathy asks us to look at others and the difference and be good with it. What we're really asking people to do is look at the situations that you are already in. How are you being affected by how our world, how our society treats gender, right? One of the questions I ask in my trainings is, if you you grew up uh, raised as a boy or as a girl, and you still identify as a man or a woman, at what point did you find that your friend groups did not have people from the other category, Mm. right? At what age did your parents say, no, you can't sleep over at their house because they're a boy or they're a girl and you are not, right? right? And so what it does is it really impoverishes our experience to know one another because there is already an assumption that boys and girls, right, not even going into the other stuff, boys and girls, men and women cannot mix. There is an assumption about what that relationship is, what it can be, and the limitations around how it can grow. Mm -hmm. And so how many friendships have we missed out on? how many opportunities to share in joy and in pain and in solidarity that we have missed out on because we have made these separations. That's not a gay, straight, trans, anything issue, right?
1: Yeah,
2: well, I think sometimes when I hear the word empathy, it's like, it can reinforce this idea of us and them, like, Mm -hmm. oh, let me have empathy for you over there somewhere, but what I'm hearing and in my own lived experience um, part of the education in this work is self-reflective. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, none of us live outside the bounds of gender. All of us have been gendered in some way, shape, or form internally and by our communities, by our families, by our society, et cetera. You have to participate, and yeah. you choose. You, It's like you start to question presumptions. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Right. So that's what I was thinking about. And then the way also that 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 we are labeled by people outside of us. So like like that question is is really meaningful to me. Like when did you stop socializing with people of the alleged opposite gender group? Well one thing for me is like because I've been socialized as a cis woman, um, and because of the way I've been i've experienced cis men relating to me Mm. has caused me to actually often recoil when certain cis men start to be friendly with me because i'm so accustomed to it being like a sexual advance and so as far as missing out on friendships or relationships like it's not just if you define or identify as queer or not it's it's bigger and broader than that and more pervasive how all of this affects our day-to-day lives and interactions
3: Absolutely. And it's so insidious. How many times, I mean, you talk about how you recoil sometimes because of some moves that that another cisgender man might make. And I edit my moves all the time around cisgender women because I don't know anymore, right? Mm. Instead of teaching our our young people and ourselves about how to negotiate um, consent and how to negotiate space um, etc we're saying that no we're different so we shouldn't interact right right and that just breaks down our communities
2: and if i can just name this might be a little of a big scary word because i know you work with a lot of youth but we do live in a rape culture right. and so in addition to the way that like the gender binary can be really violent it it's reinforced by this the way that it's also sexualized and that that pits us mm-hmm. against one another too And so now maybe we can go back to Lada's question about building bridges and the need for solidarity across all of these boundaries and barriers.
3: Mm -hmm. And I think one of those big things is, one, recognizing that we are all going through this struggle of being able to communicate well with one another, right? And so that happens intergenerationally, too, about how um, an older generation, um, because, again, gender is is bound by space and and time, um, how they understand it, what it is and how it can be, et cetera. I think what we have to remember is that with every generation, as we learn more about gender and really difference altogether, we have expanded the definition of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, right? And so if we can hold that, um, hold our generations accountable and saying, hey, for the younger ones, have patience because really we've been indoctrinated so far right and for the older ones to remind them there was a point when you were pushing right for more empathy and understanding
2: totally well so I know we have we have a few more minutes left in the show and I want to well first Nadi do you want to
1: speak to any of that
4: I think Rick pretty much covered it all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all but right. we don't we don't want to go
1: away without you guys telling about the services that you provide. Yeah, the
4: programming from our family mm-hmm. coalition. Well, um, we have lots and lots of exciting programs. Uh, we have programs on both sides of the bay, uh, in the East Bay, and I have an, a San Francisco counterpart who does programming. In San Francisco, we do parent education workshops for LGBTQ parents and caregivers. Um, we do family formation workshops and family formation conferences for prospective parents. Um, we also have playgroups where we have little cute ones coming around and, (laughs) and it's great. Uh, to be honest, playgroups are my favorite part because you see so many various type of family structures. You see different types of uh, parents and caregivers, and it's a good way for the kids to look and experience all of this diversity and yeah for feel free to check out our website our calendar it's full of events um we the great thing about our programs is that uh, we don't stop anyone from coming if they can't donate uh we don't do that um that's really important yeah and we just want uh people to come and have a safe space for everyone to you know get together and get to know each other
3: Right. And in addition to that, if any of the stuff that uh, we've been talking about today resonates with you and you have um, somebody that's in school uh, and you really want to have this kind of conversation happen at either their their middle school, preschool, high school, etc., uh, in the education department where I work, we've been working really hard to make sure that LGBTQ-inclusive history and social science are in the, are in the classrooms. And so mm. that's something we're helping out with. We also do trainings for staff at schools as well as parent education nights for um, families and caregivers.
1: And your website?
3: Uh, it is www.ourfamily.org.
2: Oh. Great. And that will be shared again on kpfaapprentice.org, which is our, our website. Thank you both so much for being here and for sharing everything that you did. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Fun. Yeah.
1: And if you want to listen to this show again and again, please and recommend it to your friends, uh, go to org because we are going to archive the show there.
2: Absolutely. Cool. So that does indeed bring us to the end of tonight's show. Louder, do you want to say what people can hear next week?
1: Oh, next week we're going to do the Fiscal Control Board or La Junta. Don't miss that one because a lot of people want to know why is that not things are not happening in Puerto Rico. And this show will explain it. Okay, so next show, don't miss it. Puerto Rico update six months after Maria.
2: Yes. And then one last reminder that applications for the First Voice Apprenticeship Program are due in one week, March 30th at 5 p.m. You can find info again and an application form on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. We've been your hosts, Kat Petru and Laura Chagaray. And thank you so much to our board operator, Darlene, and our tech assist from Group 43. Please thank you all for tuning in tonight to Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Bajita is next.
0: Truth, justice, and the American way. Apprentices, assemble.
2: In spite of the empire's wall building, dream dashing, and press punishment, the quest for fairness, equality, and freedom of speech continues with ample support from the First Voice Apprenticeship Program at KPFA Radio.
1: First Voice is an opportunity for collective discovery, enhanced vision, and expression of your unique self through radio. Your passion and perspective can help fortify and expand the quest.
4: Apply now and learn to produce radio while building community. The deadline for applications is Friday, March 30th at 5 p.m. To apply, visit kpfaapprentice.org or call 510-848-6767, extension 235.
0: The quest for truth continues.